Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again to another episode of Siren Arrow, the horror fan. This is episode hashtag 133. That's a lot, isn't it? Yeah. Um, welcome to July. June is in the rearview mirror. It's the month of July now. It is. It's, uh, it's all about me. Uh, as we did with April when it was Lee's birthday, uh, all of the movies this month are curated by me. Uh, up first... We've got a little film that we're going to be talking about today, but just a little bit of housekeeping from us first. Um, obviously, as I'm sure you guys are aware, Twitter has turned into an absolute dumpster fire at the moment. We are still on Twitter, but if you want to follow us on alternative platforms, we are on Tumblr and Instagram at so I married a horror fan, all lowercase or one word. Um, the link to all of the places that you can find us online is on um, the link in our bio. And as of August, the middle of August, Stitcher is is going to be going offline. So anybody that listens to us on Stitcher, uh, we will be coming off of that platform in August because the platform will be going down. Um, so please look for an alternative way to listen to us um, if you are one of those those people that listens to us through Stitcher. Um, and yeah, there's not really a lot else for us to say, I am very, very, very excited to talk about the film that we are going to talk about today. Lee is very, very, very not excited to talk about the film that we are going to talk about today. But, you know, on with the show. As always, I am Simon. I'm Lee. And uh, here we go, episode 133. Am I good? Can I go? Yes. Cal, so... Freddy versus Jason. That's that's one on your yawn count there, folks. Released in 2003. Yes. Written by Wes Craven, Victor Miller and Damien Shannon, apparently. No, it's written by Damien Shannon and Mark Swift, but uh, Victor Miller and Wes Craven get the credit because they created Freddy and they created Jason. Thank you for that. Uh, directed by Ronnie Yu. Ronnie me? Ronnie Yu. Ronnie me. Ronnie you. <laughs> Cast was in this. We've got Robert Englund as Freddy Krueger. Ken Kurtzinger as Jason Voorhees. Monica Keener as Laurie Campbell. Jason Ritter as Will Rollins. Kelly Rowland as Kia Watterson. Catherine Isabel as Gibb. Christopher Marquette as Charlie Linderman. Brendan Fletcher as Mark Davies. Tom Butler as Dr. Campbell. And then Lachlan Monroe as Deputy Scott. Stubbs. And then your boy Kyle And Levine. then Kyle Labine as Billy Freeberg. I think that's kind of it, in all honesty. Did you know this is the first time in 20 years I've ever known what Freeberg and Lindemann's first names are? Because <laughs> they never actually get referred to by that, either of their first names. Oh, really? really? Yeah. They're always just Lindemann well, and Freeberg. there you go. So it's Bill Freeberg and Charlie Lindemann. Yeah. Because, yeah, we don't need to worry about Trey and Blake because they don't survive the film for very long. I don't remember who Trey and Blake are. They're the two guys from the beginning. Trey's the guy who gets folded up in the bed. Ah, uh, right, yeah. Sure. That guy. Sure, I don't even... Oh, they're there. So Jesse Hutch plays Trey and David Cop plays Blake. Lame. And Brent Chapman plays Blake's father. Lame, lame, cool. And that's kind of it, really, in all honesty. Yeah. No one else is really important to the plot of this film. No. Uh, so it was made on a budget of a certain amount of money. 
30 million of 30 million dollars you are correct gross worldwide it made 116 million 643,000 and some pocket change uh plot line wise freddy krueger and jason Voorhees return to terrorize the teenagers of elm street only this time they're out to get each other too sure i guess that's the plot yeah do you want to know before we before we start and get really into meeting the bones this movie? Do you know what the funniest fucking one of the funniest things about this film being released in two thousand and three was? Mm. Kelly Rowland doesn't try and text anyone on an Excel spreadsheet. No, I don't know. This is the second biggest film based on a famous IP that New Line were promoting in the same year. Do you know what the other big New Line movie of two thousand and three was? Mm. Hold, let me figure out. So, it's not that, it's not that. Uh, 2003? Yeah, it came out like the end of the year, so it came out a couple of months after this. I don't know. Should I know? Yeah. Because <sighs> the director of that movie also got offered the chance to direct this movie at one point in this movie's development as well. It's not Queen of the Damned, is it? No, because that came out in 2002. I was close. Yeah. Um, I have no idea. Isn't it we've covered? It's not a horror film, but it is something that you do like. I like. Yeah, and it was a massive film for that year as well. Oh my god, I have no idea. I feel like I should know. I feel like it would be really obvious you're going to say it. And I'm like, oh, fucking course it was. Something I really like. Mm-hmm. Like, how many times have I watched it really? Like, In the last 12 months, you've watched it twice. Is it Lord of the Rings? Yeah, Return of the King came out in the, the same year. Of course it is. Because I still find it fucking bonkers that they basically... New Line Cinema got Freddy money, and then they were the fucking film studio. I think I said this, I've said, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but they are the film studio that went on and did the Lord of the Rings movies. Obviously, New Line Cinema doesn't exist anymore uh, in the way that we know it, because um, it, it kind of got swallowed up by Warner Brothers. But yeah, New Line Cinema put out Freddy vs. Jason and Return of the King in the same fucking year. Like, three months... Do you know what, I completely forgotten that the Lord of the Rings film were New Line. Yeah. It's like three or four months up because this came out I think Freddy vs. Jason came out on Friday the 13th of August obviously. Obviously. And then Lord of the Rings came out like the November December time. So it's like a few months difference but yeah I still think it's like fucking bonkers that they were promoting Freddy vs. Jason I'm going to rewatch those films this week. Fucking Lord of the Rings at the same time. I don't remember the last time I watched it. It was recent. Yeah, it was like two months ago. But I'm going to watch them again. It wasn't that long ago. I think it was even two months ago, but I think it was literally last month. Yeah. Well, it wasn't in June. It was like in May, maybe. It was within the last couple of months. I can tell you that much. But yeah, so Return of the King was the other big New Line film that was being promoted. Which is, which is frankly, like, a really weird thing to say when you think about it. That, like... Because Lord of the Rings is so highly praised... And, like, everybody will fall over themselves to, like, talk about how much they love Lord of the Rings. Even the boring one, Return of the King. And then, like... Return of the King is fucking fantastic. Man, that movie has, like, 87 endings. And it's 
and none great. of them are good. There's some. There's like I will concede because I went to see Return of the King when it came out of the cinema. There is some good shit in Return of the King. Like the Mount Doom stuff with like Sam trying to kill Frodo and take the ring off of him is really cool. Uh, I was about to say the Battle of Helm's Deep, but I'm pretty sure that's the second film, not the The, first film. the fight at the end with the big giant elephants yeah. is alright. Yeah, that's, that's the Battle of Helm's Deep. I don't fucking know. There's a guy and he's on an elephant and there's some elephants and then Viggo Mortensen's like for Sparta and then he like leads the guys and then he like... You think he's in a coma, and or Frodo's? Oh in no, a, it's Minister. Yeah, and you think Frodo's in a, <coughs> or a coma or some shit? I don't know. No, it's Battle of the Pelennor Fields. Okay, there we go. So before we get way off track, do you remember the first? Because you have seen Freddy vs Jason prior to today, correct? Yeah. Do you remember when you first saw it, and how and why you saw it? Years ago. And it's sleepover. Sounds about right. Yeah, I don't really remember it, mm-hmm. uh, but I know I watched it because I remember the the party sequence, which is arguably the, the best field, scene in the movie. It's a weird place to hold a party. Um, but yeah, I think it was like a sleepover. <coughs> Makes sense. I, I have like recollections. Of, I think it was at my friend Mel's house with me, her dad, and Sam. I think. Mm-hmm. Sounds about right. Yeah. Why are you doing, like, valley girl face when you say that? That's just my thinking face. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. So this movie is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year, which makes me feel ridiculously old because this was the first movie that I legally saw at the cinema that was an 18 that I was old enough to see. I literally turned 18. I turned 18 a month before this movie came out. Um, and I remember, I remember, so I'm going to talk a lot about this. We put that face for Literally, my brain was like, I started secondary school. <laughs> the month Did you just laugh so hard you farted? <laughs> no, it was my nail on here. <laughs> you were like, it was the first film I saw, I was legal 18, and my brain was like, I started secondary school. <sighs> a year, a month afterwards. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> I've been no, wanting. No, if that's not true, I started secondary school the yeah. previous. I've been wanting to cover this, cover this movie for a while because when I was like eighteen, this movie was my entire personality for like a long time. Like I knew the movie was coming out. I like got the day off work. Like I went to go and see it at like a one o'clock showing at the cinema. Like, do you know what? I just laughed at you doing that, and then I was like, oh, "We literally booked half a day off work." I did, so we could go to the new Jones yeah. movie. So I like, can't really laugh at you for doing that, can I? I remember like going to the cinema on my own, checking all the cinema times, like going to see it in like a screen on my own, and like it being like a really like weird experience. Because at that time, when I was like eighteen, I had nobody like in my friend group that shared like my level of excitement for seeing this film. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to miss out on seeing it. Like, I have to see this movie, and. I think if you weren't around at that time or if you weren't in horror at that time, I think it's easy now to look at this movie like 20 years later and go, oh, this movie sucks because it's not aged very well or it's not scary or like blah, blah, blah. It's not a great film. Yeah, but like I think at the time people don't realise like the cultural significance of like what this movie actually meant to the horror community. 
And like, I'm not going to sit there and say like I was following this movie from the eighties because I wasn't because I was fucking born in the eighties. But like, from when from when I was a little kid, like, and I first saw like Freddy versus Jason movies, like I heard whispers from like reading like Wizard magazine or like reading old issues of Fangoria, and then they're like they're going to do a Freddy versus Jason movie. Uh, I won't go too much into history of this movie because if you want to find out the history of how this movie got made, there's plenty of, there's plenty of shit online. You can watch the Crystal Lake Memories documentary, the Never Sleep Again documentary, the Crystal Lake Memories book, and there's a ton of stuff online. Um, also, you have the book? yeah, I have the book. I got the I got the book years before the documentary came out. Um, like I have one of the first edition hardback copies of it. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so you can find... But need to say, this movie went through 17 different scripts. There were scripts that involved Jason being a real-life serial killer who was on like trial for his real-life crimes. There were scripts that involved Freddy molesting Jason or Freddy being in a relationship with Jason's mum and that's why he drowned him. There was like stuff set in 17th century Italy with a god called Thanos who Freddy was the right-hand man for. There was like fucking something. There was there was an, a pitch that was like cops, whereas a documentary that followed both of them. There was a pitch about like a Freddy cult. There were so many different. Pitches. I'm not gonna lie to you. They're cops, like documentary style. I think is my favorite. Yeah. Out of all of that, that's the one that was like I would have watched that because it would have worked. It would have worked well for Freddy. I feel like it would have been very mm. confusing with Jason. Yeah. See, my favourite of the pitches was the one where Freddy was like the pool guy or whatever at Crystal Lake and he was having an affair with Jason's mum and Jason catches him and he drowns Jason. Because when you know Jason's backstory about how he drowned because the counsellors were being negligent and all that stuff, I was like, that makes a ton of sense. I was like, that's... Because they were off having filthy sex. And I was like, and that is like my favourite pitch because that gives Jason a reason to want to fight him. And I was like, so that for me, of all of them, that was my favourite pitch. And we had, like, Ronald Moore, who relaunched Battlestar Galactica, was one of the people that wrote on this. David Goyer, mm -hmm. fucking uh, the guy who wrote The Crow pitched on this. And there were so many people that pitched on this movie that, like, went on to do other stuff. Notable directors that got, over the years, that got offered the directing gig. Guillermo del Toro turned it down. Yes, Guillermo. Peter Jackson turned it down. Yes, Pete. Bob at Zombie turned it down to do House of Thousand Corpses. I'm surprised, but also not because he wanted because he hadn't made a film at that point. And I think he wanted to do House of Thousand Corpses, which came out the same year. Mm -hmm. James Wan turned it down, who ultimately would go on to do Saw the next year. Um, so there was like a whole murderer's row of like people that have like had a history with this movie. Um, but yeah, like the development process was really bad. So when it finally got greenlit and they went, Ronnie Yu's going to do it. I was like, okay, that's that's kind of cool. Because I like Bride of Chucky. I think Bride of, as we discussed in our episode, I think Bride of Chucky is a great relaunch for that franchise. So I was like, okay, like Ronnie Yu doing Freddy vs. Jason sounds cool. And then obviously like it was getting closer to the movie. But this is how obsessed with this movie I was when it was coming out. I bought t-shirts, books action figures like i had a notebook that i had like mock-up posters and fan fiction in of like how i thought the movie was gonna go i stayed up late to watch the fucking las vegas boxing weigh-in that they did for the lead up to it on like dial-up internet Christ. and i was just like so obsessed with this movie coming out and then i saw it and i was like i think my life is complete now but we'll come back to my feelings on it like what what are your feelings on this movie? 
This movie is dreadful and makes very little fucking sense. Do you mean in terms of like what you know about the characters and their backstories or just in its own internal logic? In its own internal logic and a little bit of like the with like what I know about the characters. Like a like I know we watched a documentary like it was never supposed to come across that way, but they make out like Jason is scared of water. That was a Ronnie U decision. And I'm like we know that's not fucking true. He spends an entire film on a boat, motherfucker. Yeah. How did he get on that boat? He swam. Yeah. Mm, Jason, Jason is not scared of water. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I like, think... There's just a few things that, like... Because, like, as well, like, she drags Freddy out of the dream by holding on to him. Which, fair place, because you can drag things out of the dream. That's, that's literally... We see that in the first movie. But she's holding on to Freddy in the first Nightmare movie. And she only manages to pull part of his clothes through with her. Yeah. So how the fuck is she dragging a whole ass fucking <coughs> Freddy Krueger into the real world when we've seen time and time and time again that you can't do that? Mm-hmm. Makes no fucking sense. Also, why are they fighting each other? Look, I'm not being funny. If I was Freddy and Jason in the context that we are given in this movie, I'd have teamed up. Mm-hmm. Well, the water thing I can kind of explain because Ronnie, you wanted that in there because he was like, he wanted it to be like the balance of like water versus fire. Like that was what he wanted. He wanted it to be like an elemental battle of like the fear. It wanted to be fucking bullshit. That's okay. He wanted it to be some avatar bullshit. Mm -hmm. Um, And then obviously Mark Swift and Damien Shannon have turned around and said in interviews, like we, we wanted it to be that he, he tapped into Jason's psyche. So Jason would be like afraid of the moment when he was drowning rather than him being afraid of the water, which makes a lot more sense because he like pokes Jason in the head when he's like the little kid version and sees him being drowned and all that stuff. Um, in terms of like why she pulls him out. Yeah. I don't understand. Like that's what, like there is a lot of stuff about this movie that doesn't really make a ton of sense. Like, they pull Freddy into the real world and Freddy has no powers in the real world. So I don't understand how Freddy is able to fight Jason in the real world. And there are multiple times when he gets the upper hand on Jason. See, and I, I think, think that's like an intelligence thing, possibly. Yeah, because Jason's kind of just like brute force. Yeah. That's his whole thing. Whereas Freddy's quite inventive and like quite intelligent with his kills. So I think that's what that is. It's not that he's better than Jason. Yeah. It's just that he's more inventive. Yeah. That's and what... he's not just like walking a straight line, hack, hack, <coughs> hack, carry on going. Because I think that's kind of one of the my one of my big nitpicks with this movie, and one of my down like the major downfalls of this movie is the fight scenes. Because there's only two real major fights. There's the one in the dream world where they fight in the boiler room, and he fucking Freddy ping pongs Jason around like he's that a ping pong quite ball. Funny. Um, and then in the real world, when they have the fight in the cabin, when he pulls him through and like he smashes Freddy through all the windows. Mm-hmm. And then, like, again, Freddy, it seems like, given the height, weight, and, like, home field advantage that Jason has in the real world, it feels like both of the fights very heavily lean into Freddy's favour. It's almost like Freddy has one of those, like, Jason Statham, Vin Diesel contracts that you pointed out of, like, Robert England's, like, I am the fucking star here. I need to get, like, X amount of damage, like, for this to work. And I'm not saying that is true at all, because I don't really know how the mechanics of it worked. No, but it did kind of feel like that. But it does kind of feel like Freddy... Like, because I don't know how you feel about this, but as a, as, a, as a hardcore, like, Friday the 13th fan, like, my boy, um, and, like, being kind of, like, a casual Freddy fan at best, I think this doesn't ever really feel like a Friday the 13th movie. 
it feels like a Nightmare on Elm Street movie with Jason in it. Yeah. Like, it never feels like it's an equal film that represents both characters. And it, and then that's reflected not only in, like, the setting, the location, and, like, the ultimate, like, ultimate part of the story, but it's also reflected in the fight sequences as well. And, like, even the ending is ambiguous, but it's ambiguous in Freddy's favour because they never outwardly say whether Freddy or Jason won. But the implication is that when Jason comes out of the water, that he's not fucking scared of, that he's holding Freddy's hand ahead and Freddy winks at the audience and laughs, which suggests that the ending is a dream, which again gives Freddy the upper hand as the movie ends. So it kind of feels like whoever wrote, like whoever wanted to make this movie was like, we want it to be like a very Freddy leaning movie. Um, outside of the actual kills and the body count because Jason gets to do a lot of the like actual kills in this movie. I think I think in this movie Freddy has like one confirmed kill maybe and that's Freeberg when he like goes into him with the caterpillar. Mm. Um but yeah I don't know how you feel about that because that's how it's always come across to me is like it's a nightmare on Elm Street with Jason. To be fair, I was like this movie dumb. Yeah. And this movie dumb and this ending dumb uh so but you are right like it, it feels more like a nightmare on elm street movie than a friday the 13th movie which i don't think helps anything from my perspective because i don't particularly like the nightfall nightmare before christmas the night before christmas franchise the nightmare on elm street yeah. franchise but i also don't like the friday the 13th franchise so it was a lose-lose situation either way for me yeah yeah. Um, I find Freddy less irritating in this one. There are some scenes in this where he's genuinely like creepy as fuck. Like it's Demon Freddy is way awesome. less annoying in this. Cause I find Freddy endlessly irritating. Mm-hmm. Cannot deal. <sighs> but on the other hand, I feel like Jason was a really odd character to put him up against mm-hmm. because Freddy always reminds me of Deadpool. Yeah. Yeah, I get. Yeah, I get that. Like he's wisecracking. He's dumb, breaking the fourth breaking wall. Breaking the fourth wall. He's got the burn scar. He, he is horror Deadpool. Let's be honest. Yeah, Straight he, up, he's just horror he, Deadpool. He looks like a testicle with teeth. He's like a testicle with teeth. Um, is that like one prune fucked an uglier prune? No. Um, one avocado fucked an uglier. I mean, prune also works. Yeah. So, uh, and then Jason's just like silent mm-hmm. and i'm like it doesn't make sense as a matchup a like power wise they are so far removed from each other <coughs> B behaviors and attitude they're so far removed from each other so why on earth would you go i know yeah I think the only. I think the thing like we can't do jason and michael because literally nothing they, they, they literally yeah. will just they'll go yeah, fuck this, and go off and kill whoever the fuck they please. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. Whereas Jason, Freddy's likely to get pissed off if someone's stealing his kills. Yeah. Kind of get that. But also, you could have given Freddy literally anybody else. Like an Ash versus Freddy movie. I know we did get Freddy versus Jason versus Ash in comic book form. Yeah. Uh, but like Ash versus Freddy kind of makes sense. Yeah. Like you could have done with like a secondary, like wise, cracky lead instead of just fucking brick wall with legs see i think the thing with this is like i think the only reason why this movie exists is because like 
at the time, like, box office-wise, like, number of sequels-wise, etc., like, Freddy and Jason are arguably, the and objectively, the two most popular horror icons of all time. And, like, as Robert England says on the fucking documentary, he's like, ever since the first kid came up to me at a convention, I was like, could you kick Jason to ass, dude? He's like, the idea has always been, like, dollar signs. Like, so I think that's the only reason why this movie exists is because the fans kind of willed it into existence. But it's kind of like... to I'll go back to the movie in a second. But I always feel like this is the problem with any versus movie. Like, yes, we had, like, Universal Monster movies back in the day of, like, the Wolfman versus Dracula and all that shit. But, like, this is the first one of, like, a modern era where they took two gigantic IPs and put them together and Mm -hmm. was like, let's see what happens. Um, And then, obviously, on the back of this, a year later, you get Alien versus Predator. Alien versus Predator, again, like, completely different creatures, completely different power sets. It kind of makes sense. Alien versus Predator, to me, has always kind of made sense. Mm -hmm. Because, like... There, there is a shared food source that they're kind of yeah. fighting over. Yeah. It makes sense. Like, there's a plenty of these versus movies that really well, make sense to me. Like, um, Sadako versus... Kayako. Kayako. There's two more that I was going to mention. Fucking, well, I say it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It's still fucking weird, but I'm like... It make like... Yeah. I can kind of see the thought process. This does just doesn't... And I think part of it is because... I don't find the character matchup yeah. works. See, Godzilla versus Kong makes sense to me. Yep. But but uh, but the other one, the other big one that's come out in the last twenty years, Batman versus Superman, does not make any sense to me. I feel like is that not a comic book thing? That yeah, came like, from the comic. It's been books. in the comic books for years. They did World's Finest where they teamed up, and obviously they were part of the Justice League. Like they have fought each other. For years, same way that Kong and Godzilla fought many, many years ago, yeah. like black thing and white. Thing is, though, but is like... it kind of, like stuff like that? Superhero ones always kind of make sense to mm-hmm. me because, again, we had like Cap versus Iron Man in Civil War and stuff like that. Like, yeah, it always kind of makes sense to me because everyone thinks they're doing the right thing, and mm-hmm. Cap is a dickhead. Uh, <laughs> guess who signed these on? Um, Iron Man forever. Yes, bruv. Um. I lost I lost my train of thought of fuck cap to be honest. Yeah. I think I think for me, like, it's never it's never about the actual fights themselves. Like I always find my problem with any of these films is like the contrivances that they go to to get the characters in the situations that they're in. Mm. Like you said, in this movie, realistically there's no reason for Freddie and Ve- Freddie and Jason to be fighting. And the only reason why they fight is because the kids are like, oh, if we can get them to kill each other, they won't kill us. Uh, no, partially, but partially it's because Freddy's pissed off that Jason's stealing his kills. Yeah. Like, that's... But then I'm also like, you're literally the one who sent him... Yeah. There. Like, what did you think was going to happen when you sent Jason Voorhees to Elm Street? Right? Yeah. And, like, I'm still unsure 20 years later... And, like, I would love to ask... I might actually ask Mark Shannon and Damien Swift... Like, Mark Swift... Uh, yeah, Swift and Shannon. Because I've I've asked them over the years many times different questions about this film on Twitter. And they've always been very, like, affable about answering questions. But, like, my issue with this movie is... This movie makes absolutely buttfuck no sense to the canon of either franchises. This movie is supposed to take place after Nightmare... Uh, after Freddy's dead... And the last nightmare. Uh, and Jason goes to hell. So realistically, at the beginning of Jason goes to hell, 
Jason gets blown to pieces at the beginning of that movie, and then he's like body hopping for the rest of it. Yet, Freddy is somehow able to obviously they meet up in hell because you see at the end of Freddy versus J- uh, at the end of Jason goes to hell. Freddy's like glove pulls the mask down, and you hear him laughing. So they're obviously in hell together. However, he's he is somehow able to either control Jason's dreams from hell, or he's able to control the dreams of a corpse that wouldn't be the corpse that's at the end of that movie. It's a completely different Jason corpse that he somehow invaded the dreams of and is controlling the body of. And I'm like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. And this is what I mean. If you view this movie as a standalone thing, it makes a little bit more sense. But when you like say, well, it's supposed to have happened post uh, post Jason Goes to Hell, pre-Jason X. I'm like, well, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Because in Jason X, they show his fucking blown-to-pieces body from Jason Goes to Hell. And I am getting really nerdy, and I do apologise, but when you're talking about shit like this, it's kind of hard not to point out the inconsistencies. Uh, it's, it's not. You just don't watch them. <laughs> so, like, the, the whole Freddy manipulating Jason thing, I've never kind of really understood anyway. But, like, the Freddy losing his powers thing makes sense to me because Freddy, like, any kind of thing, he's like the little fear demon from fucking that episode of Buffy where he's like, who's a little fear demon? But he obviously, like, charges himself up from, like, people's fear. So that shit makes sense to me. And, like, Freddy's Freddy's powers in this are a little bit of a grab bag of everything. Like, it's, like, they can't really decide what powers he does and doesn't have in this movie. And, like, Jason looks really fucking weird in this movie. And the thing that does get me everyone hold is Freddy's only at full power when he's in Elm Street well in the vicinity in the vicinity when he's like black pink and he's in your area in the area of Elm Street yeah right but yeah he still seems to be quite powerful in the kids dreams when they get to fucking New Jersey which will be very clear is a nine hour car drive from yeah. Ohio so how the like cuz like his power like, I know he can follow you if you're if mm-hmm. you're scared of him he can find you wherever you are but he's weaker the further yeah, away yeah, from yeah. Elm Street he gets. So how is he still relatively fucking powerful mm-hmm. in New Jersey? See, and that's another thing that I'd like to point out. Going back to Ronnie U for a second cuz Ronnie U did Bride of Chucky. What is one of the central plots of Bride of Chucky? is that they drive cross-country from somewhere to New Jersey. And it takes them two days. He, try, he likes driving to New Jersey. Yeah, but what I'm saying he? is, it takes a realistic amount of time in Bride of Chucky because they have to stop at a motel I overnight. I can't remember where they're driving from. Chicago or Chicago somewhere, I think, yeah. In Bride. Because I was like, it makes sense yeah. that they could definitely do that. But yeah, they make this car trip in like an hour, maybe. I think it's Chicago because... The first Child's Play movie takes place in Chicago, but then his corpse is in New Jersey for some reason. So I think the doll is in, like, Chicago PD at the beginning, and that's where Tiffany gets it from, mm-hmm. or somewhere similar. Well, no, because that's where he's from originally, isn't it? It's where he gets killed is in New Jersey when he takes over the toy. Yeah, but then the toy ends up in Chicago for some reason. Because I think the first night, I think the first Charles. Yeah, the doll ends up there, but he actual Charles Lee Ray gets killed in New Jersey. I can't remember in Shabukan or something like that. I don't know. 
Hoboken. Hoboken. Oh fucking no. Hackensack. It's Hackensack. Hackensack. That's where he I says like, you've got to go. He's like, you've got to go to Hackensack. Hackensack, New Jersey. New Jersey. But I want to. I'll, I'll come back to Bride of Chucky in a little bit because okay. I think it's relevant for talking about this episode. But yeah, there's there's a bunch of stuff in this movie that doesn't make any fucking sense. But I don't think it's supposed to. Like, not a single solitary human being on this fucking planet is watching this movie because they're like, I want it to be a riveting story. They're just like, yeah, I want the fucking burnt guy to fight the fucking drowned boy in the hockey mask. That's all I want. The problem is, though, is like, I'm not even bothered about this film being like a piece of art, but if you are making a film based in two long-running horror franchises, you have to keep the mythology from both franchises going in this movie. And I think... So you can't just go... Oh, it's fine. Jason's scared of water. Freddy's powerful no matter where he is. Yeah. Oh, you can bring Freddy out into the real world. That's totally doable. See... Like, it makes no fucking sense. See, I think this is part of the problem with letting Ronnie Yu direct this movie. Now, don't get me wrong. I have nothing against Ronnie Yu as a director. I think he, he does amazing work. But it's really fucking obvious from when he directed Bride of Chucky... And when he directed this, that he's never seen any of these movies and he doesn't give a fuck about any of these characters. And he really likes New Jersey. And the, he originally turned down this movie to do something else. And then he only came back because they gave him a huge amount of creative freedom. Now, the creative freedom... That, I honestly thought you were going to say because they gave him a lot of money and I was like, that seems fair. The creative actually. freedom that he was afforded in Bride of Chucky. Now, Don Mancini wrote Bride of Chucky, which is like obviously the creator of the franchise so bride of chucky ties quite nicely into the rest of the franchise like clearly clearly there is a divide of like the first three child's play movies and then everything the franchise became post bride that has then obviously been fed into the rest of the mythology and the tv and the franchise and has now become canonical and they've worked backwards to make it fit in with the original three movies but obviously there were some liberties that he took during the creative process now, I think with this one, I don't think he went back and really looked... I think he looked at the words on the page and looked at the script. But I don't think he was really that interested in like either of the two characters' mythologies. And that's why he kind of just went, well, this is the movie I'm making. This is the story I'm trying to tell. This motherfucker's scared of water. This motherfucker does this. Like, just have them fight. And like, I think it's a bit more obvious that he had a lot more creative control in this movie... And that's kind of why a lot of it is very, like, wishy-washy in terms of, like, the mythology or why things happen or, like, what, like... You know, like, at one point, Freddy fucking possesses a dude. Like... Yeah. Yeah. Which he hasn't done since Freddy's Revenge. And, like, he's never... Because, like, Freddy's Revenge, he he can possess people and he also become he also comes in the real world because he fucking slaughters a bunch of kids at a pool party. So, like, those two things are true. Like, Freddy can do those things. But he only ever does them in one movie yeah. and it's never mentioned again. Yeah. So, like, it's this is what I mean. They did the weird grab bag of, like, well, to service the story, he needs to do this, this, and this. Yeah. And, it, and, like, Jason, I think, like, from a character perspective, I think Freddy is a really, a really well-written character in this movie. Like, he's less goofy. He's more menacing. He's got some great one-liners. The demon bit is fucking exceptional. Like, he's never looked cooler than when he's got that fucking demon face, when he's, like, fighting Laurie on the pool before she pulls him into the real world. Mm. I was like, so... 
as a character, I think Freddy's really fucking cool in this movie. I just think that saddling him with the, like, lack of powers... For the times that they do use his dream powers in this movie, mm-hmm. it's really lackluster. Like, and it's really fucking weird seeing a Freddy movie where they're relying on a lot of CGI to represent Freddy's powers. Because mm. you never really see it up until this point in any of the other movies. And I think Jason is, like, really well represented in this movie. I mean, I'm sad as shit that Kane Hodder didn't come back and they got Ken Kersinger. Because apparently, did you know the reason why they hired Ken Kersinger? Because obviously, everyone knows Kane Hodder. We all love Kane Hodder. We do. I'm very sad that this is not Kane Hodder. Yeah, so do you know the reason why Ken Kersinger got hired for this movie? No. Is because Ronnie Yu said in an interview that he wanted someone for the audience to root for and he wanted that person to be Jason and he thought that Ken Kersinger had more soulful eyes and would make Jason a more sympathetic, soulful character. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Give us Kane Hodder, you prick! I was like, I don't want sad emo Jason. I'd have rooted for Jason if it was Kane Hodder. Yeah. As it is, I ended up rooting for Robert England because it's Robert England. And also, the other reason was because... He wanted one guy to be really skinny and small and wiry, which is like Robert England, who's about five foot ten. Again, all those fucking and then he wanted he wanted like there to be a substantial size difference. So like when like you put them on the poster together, Jason's obviously like eight foot tall and like Freddie's like four foot. I mean Ken Kersing is seven foot one. I think Freddie what? I think Yeah, Ken Kersing is about seven foot. And I think Robert England's about five foot eleven, five foot ten. I think he's about the same height as me. Um, whereas Kane Hodder's about six foot one, I think. Six foot two. Is that Kane Hodder? And a half, yeah. Yeah, so there's only about like three or four inches in it. And I think when you look at Ken Kersinger, Ken Kersinger's about seven foot, seven foot one maybe. And I think that's why he wanted uh, the other reason. He's only six foot three. What, Ken Kersinger? Yeah. Why did I think he was like seven foot? I don't know. Oh, hang on. No, I put the wrong, put the wrong height in there. One nine, one nine six. One moment, please. 1.96 metres to feet. He's six foot five. So he's like three inches taller than Kane Hodder. Yeah, I don't know why. Like, I always thought he was about seven foot. That was the reason why they hired him. I don't even think, like, you could have got... I feel like he'd have been too young. (coughs) The guy who plays the mountain in uh, Game of Thrones. Mm. Could have got Kane. I don't know how tall Kane is. So WWE wrestler Kane is like six foot eleven. Him and The Undertaker are both roughly about seven foot tall. Really? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Because they always used to build them as both being seven foot, but I think they're roughly about six foot ten, six foot eleven each of them. Um, and obviously Kane would go on to be in a horror franchise years later in See No Evil 2, which also stars Catherine Isabel, who was in this movie. He's seven foot? Yeah. Jesus Christ. So yeah, yeah, and he's got the shaved head. You could have had, like, you could have quite easily had Glenn Jacobs play, uh, like fucking Jason if you wanted to like don't get me wrong like I think it's cool that they got Ken Kersinger to play him I think this is one of the worst looking The Undertaker is 6 foot 10 yeah so I think this is one of the worst looking Jasons his head genuinely looks like a prune like his head's this weird like shiny purple grey colour he's got an awful outfit on the mask looks cool and like Ken Kersinger's physicality is cool like, I think some of the scenes where he does the physicality as Jason is really, really cool. And I think he's got the Jason walk down. Um, but my my personal favourite Jason outside of Kane Hodder is Derek Mears, who plays him in the reboot. I think yeah. he's fucking great. 
I never realised that, but um, Hathor uh, Bjornsson, who plays uh, Gregor, Gregor, I wouldn't say McLean then, mm. but, the, but the mountain. Um, oh, Gregor Clegane, I was close. Uh, he's only six foot eight. Wasn't he? He's a sh- like eight foot tall in the books, but he's like six foot eight. Isn't he, or he's wasn't he a strong the man? Strong man yeah. yeah, I was going to say he was a strong man who they just hired to be an actor because they just wanted some big. I mean, to be fair, the mountain doesn't really do. A yeah, lot they just of wanted talking. some big bastard, didn't they? To like... Yeah, pretty much. So he's Cersei's warrior, basically. Yeah. The mountain. So I think, like, or I think, and this is like, I think this is one of the reasons why fans have a better taste in their mouth about this movie. Is because Kane Hodder never got a chance to return to, as Jason again because they only made one more Friday the Thirteenth movie after this, which is the reboot where Derek Mears has played him, and then obviously the franchise has like languished in like right hell ever since. Um, so Kane Hodder, outside of playing him and doing the mocap for the video game, like I, he's never been able to have like his like swan song, yeah. and I think that was what people wanted for years was they always envisioned this movie being like Kane Hodder versus Robert England. Because Robert England is obviously, obviously Freddy, Freddy Krueger, yeah. and Kane Hodder is like obviously a lot of people's favorite Jason. Even though he's in a lot of the shit or what people would class as the shit Jason movies, he's in seven, eight, nine, and ten. Is he in my favorite? He's in Jason Goes to Hell. He's in Jason Takes Manhattan. He's in because uh... originally he's. I don't in... know why I asked that. Like I didn't know that. I know it is Kane Hodder in that. He's in the probably... New Blood, which is the one where Jason essentially fights Carrie. And the reason why they made that movie in 1987 was because that was originally when they were going to do Freddy versus Jason, but then they couldn't get the rights at the time. So they just did Jason versus Carrie, Jason on a boat, Jason does body hopping, Jason in space. Yeah, I love how I was like, is he in my favourite? As if I didn't know outright that it is Kane Hodder yeah. and Jason takes Manhattan. And to be fair... That... He says the great interview where he's talking about being in Times Square. Yeah, taking the mask off. Yeah. I think that's the only Jason movie you've seen outside this, isn't it? Oh, yeah. no, because you watched, kind of watched part six, because I had part six on a couple of months back. Oh, yeah, that it was, was kind shit. of like on in the TV. And part six is my favourite. So, like, basically, for anyone who hasn't been listening long term to us, I don't like any of the big franchises. I don't like the Halloween movies. I don't like the Friday movies. And I don't like the Nightmare movies. I like Chucky. Yeah. <coughs> and I've seen one Chucky film and two TV series. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there are, like, other characters that you like, though. One of which we're going to get to talk about in a minute. But, like, so let's let's track back a second before we get into some of the other, like, stupid nonsense that this movie could have been. What do you think of the, like, human characters in this movie? I couldn't wait for them all to die. Yeah. Agreed. I hated all of them. Yeah. Now, the question, before we get too deep into the characters, the question I was going to ask you, and this is why I was going to circle back to Bride of Chucky, which movie directed by Roddy Yu featuring an iconic horror star do you think has the worst human characters? This one. Really? Yeah, I hate, I, I hate these guys way more than I hate Catherine Heigl. Is that purely because there's more of these guys? There's more of them, but also I kind of like the guy, the friend in... Um, oh, David. Yeah. The gay guy, yeah, The yeah. guy who really gets the worst death. I like him. Yeah, he gets an unnecessarily Although, violent death. Although, in this one, I like his mate. Who dies? He gets has their Freddy's back burned Mark. into his back. I like yeah. Mark. That's about it. I like the stoner dude actually. 
Oh, Mostly the one because, played by Carl Levine. Yeah, because he's a Levine, and I, I do like the Levine. And, and and that character's one fucking line of dialogue away from getting sued by Kevin Smith for plagiarism, because mm-hmm. he's basically Jay. <laughs> yeah. From Jay and Silent Bob. But because there's way more of them for me to hate in this movie, I prefer the characters in Bride of Chucky. Yeah, like, I'm 50-50, because I agree, like, there's more of them to hate in this movie. I like the fact that Ronnie you somehow by like sheer virtue got to work with Jason Ritter and John Ritter. I think that's really cool. Mm. Um, Cause obviously originally Brad Renfro was due to play uh, Will, but he pulled out uh, and then died shortly after of a drug overdose, which was really unfortunate. He was only like 25, I think at the time. So that's really sad. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I have a lot of issues with the characters in this movie, but, Again, like, nobody is watching this movie for the teen characters. Like, if I was, if I was, like, and I think mostly it's, like, at a performance level. Yeah. Like, I think Monica Keener is a wretched actress, but I've they always thought that. could have just had Brittany Murphy. Yeah. Like, Monica Keener is in a lot of shit. She was in Dawson's Creek for a spell, and I fucking hate her in Dawson's Creek I as well. I feel like she's popped up in a bunch of stuff. And every time my brain just goes, this could have been. Yeah. You know when you know when your mum's like, when you go, mum. Did Mom, I say Britney Snow then? No. I didn't, Britney you know, Murphy. You know when your mum goes, when you go to your mum, mum, can we have Britney Murphy? And she goes, we've got Britney Murphy at home. And it's Monica Keener. Yeah. Yeah. I do feel like she pops up in quite a few bits that I'm like, this could have been Britney Murphy. Yeah. I hate that it's not. And she kind of looks a bit like Micah Monroe as well, who is um, Steve Harrington's girlfriend, who was in It Follows. Because they look very similar as well, um, but yeah, she's not she's not a great actress, and I don't think she's a great final girl either. <coughs> no, she is not. She's fucking terrible. Yeah, and like considering she's an Elm Street girl as well, when you like put her in the conversation of people like Kristen Parker or Alice Johnson or like Nancy Thompson, like all these amazing Elm Street girls that Freddie's fought before, like she's. Not a particularly engaging character. And, like, they give her the dream warriors thing of, like, my dad's working at Western Hills. You know, that famous Elm Street location on Hypnos Hill. Yeah, I think she's really fucking bland. I think John Ritter is doing... uh, Not John, sorry. R.I.P. John. Jason Ritter is just doing, like, generic boyfriend stuff in this movie. He's to the bare minimum. Yeah. He's, He's literally, like doing shocked face and like running around just being a wimp um i think chris marquette's pretty good in this um, as the like mclovin type character he appears he's another one of those actors he appears in a lot of stuff and i'm always like oh you know i quite like him and he was in the criminal minds or csi (sighs) that's not helpful um he looks he looks a little bit like young shia labeouf in this and he's doing that kind of like shia labeouf type shtick um which is kind of interesting. But he also kind of reminds me of the dude who plays McLovin quite a lot as well. I always get those two. Christopher Minz-Plaz, I think his name is. Yes. Yeah, I always get those two dudes confused. But he's doing good shit in this movie. Like, for what he, for what is essentially like a nerd role, he's doing all right in this. Um, the worst offender, though. He's in an episode of Criminal Minds. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's in... Is he not in Joan of Arcadia? I don't know. Maybe. I never watched it. Or am I mistaking him for somebody else? Probably somebody else. We'll find out. Continue. I will but, get back to you on the Joan of Arcadia. I think the worst offender is Kelly Rowland. Kelly Rowland is awful in this film. And this was like 
Destiny's Child were at their peak in 2003. They were like single. No, they were doing like independent woman. They'd just done the shit with like Charlie's Angels. They were doing like Lose My Breath and Survivor and all that stuff. So, but they were on their way out like like this point, weren't they? Yes. But uh, to answer your question, oh, my question. Yes, he is in Joan of Arcadia along with Jason Ritter. And I don't know if it's, uh, anyone remember Joan of Arcadia. Is, is, it, what, is it the one that's got Amber Tamblyn in it? Yes, it's got Anna, Amber Tamblyn. But I just want everyone to take a breath for a moment on the context of this. And just this is the cast of Joan of Arcadia. So Amber Tamblyn plays Joan. Yeah. Her dad is Joan Magenta. M- M- T- I can't pronounce his surname. Mantagna. Man- yeah. Fat, Fat Tony. Tony. Uh, her mum is Mary Steenburgen. Yeah. Her brother is Jason Ritter. Her other brother is Mike Welch, who's in Twilight. Right. Her best, and then um, Christopher Marquette plays one of her best friends. Nice. And I'm like, the fuck is this show? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he plays he plays Mike in um, Twilight. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure this dude. I am right, aren't I? I don't know. I can't. Oh see no! The wait, am I mistaken? Does he just look like the dude from Twilight? Ah, yeah. Y'all have got to bear with me. You know what I'm like? People's faces, I'm like, is that the dude? Well, they don't I'm pretty have to sure bear with it you is. Because it's not relevant to what we're talking about. It but... is the, yeah, he plays Mike Newton in Twilight. Yeah. No, it was right. Um, Sorry, guys. So, yeah, Kelly Rowland is fucking trash in this movie. Like, and it's the worst fucking stunt casting of all time. Like, they stunt cast her to be in this movie, and she does, like, fuck all in it. And I think it's unforgivable. And like Shannon and Swift have said this, it's unforgivable that she uses a homophobic slur towards Freddie that wasn't in the fucking original script. And they were like, we didn't write that. Like we had enough, like the the line of dialogue was different when we said it or when we wrote it. And for some reason she was allowed to put that in the film. And I think that's... I I just assumed she was supposed to call him a bitch. Because that seems to be the big slur, the big word everyone uses in this movie is bitch. Um... So I think it's like I I get that it was a different time and like in certain parts of America that that word is used more liberally than it is like over here. But either way, it's not it's a word not, that should like, be used. It's one of those weird words. Like especially in America, has always been a bit like oh you can't really say that over here. It's slightly different because mm. we use that word for other things. Well, we use three letters of it for other things. Yeah, but the the full word itself also references a, f- meatballs. a, a meatball yeah, that yeah, we yeah. have in the UK. Yeah, because uh, it's always everyone's always like, "Oh my god, that what?" And I'm like, "No, no, no, it's a food stuff." Yeah, it's food. It's but it is it is weird when you go back and watch movies from like the early two thousands because like they they use it quite a lot and bring it on. They use it like in some of like the American Pie movies and like those like like. It's used quite liberally in Cruel Intentions as well, like quite a lot. And it's like a couple of the gay characters that say it, which I don't know if that makes it any better or not. Not really, because it was that was back before like the reclamation of the word. Yeah. So it is weird to see it coming out of like her mouth mm. in this context. But like, yeah, it's it's a and I'm like, genuinely I'm surprised. They're like, because I don't know, 2003, like, Destiny's Child were still a thing? Or were I they just no on the... I have no idea, babe. Like, they were either still a thing or they were definitely on their way out. But, like, I'm surprised that, like, if she was launching a solo career or if she was still part of Destiny's Child, that, like, they kind of allowed her to be in this movie and use language like that, mm-hmm. given her status at the time. But either way, like, 
her death is fucking incredible. Like, she's squaring up to Freddy and fucking Jason takes her out. And it's like, it's glorious. Um, but yeah, like, I don't really think there's any characters in this movie that I'm I'm rooting for, like, at all. I just kind of want Freddy and Jason to just mash them both and then mash each other. Um, but, like, who would who would you be rooting for, generally, Freddy or Jason? Jason. Really? Yeah. Is that... Kane Hodder. Is that because you think Freddy's a bitch? I do think Freddy's a bitch. <laughs> um, what do you think of the kills in this movie? None of them really, like, sick with me. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, none of them were like, oh, that was really cool. Like, I'm always going to remember that kill. Like, they're just a bit... Meh. See, I always remember... Like, this, the... The ending where Jason uses Freddy's arm to impale him is pretty fucking cool. But outside of that, I d- honest to God, cannot remember a single kill already. I and we wa- stopped watching this film an hour ago. I quite like Trey's bed one where he gets folded up in the bed. Yeah, it's not particularly memorable. And it's quite cool that they did it practically. Like I'm a big fan of that. I really like the corn rave massacre um, where Jason's walking through the cornfield on fire and then he just like fucking kills a bunch of people that's always a cool scene i like i remember seeing the interview with ken kersinger where he's like i've been a stuntman for like 20 years and they wouldn't let me do the burn because of legal reasons because he's technically an actor in this he they, they wouldn't let him do it really any of his own stunts which i think is a fucking oxymoron like why would you hire a stuntman to play a character like this where there's going to be a lot of stunts and then not allow him to do his own stunts but i guess because he's technically a star but then like Tom Cruise is out there doing his own stunts in like higher budget movies than this. So Yeah, but no one's ever said no to Tom Cruise and they're not about to start now, are they? I mean maybe someone should before he ends up in a box. Someone should, but they're not going to. <laughs> um But yeah, so there are some there are some cool kills in this movie. Um like I agree with you, like what do what do you actually think of the main event though? What do you think of the times that Freddie and Jason actually fight in this? I don't think it's that interesting at at all. Like honest to God, I just don't think it's very interesting. Even them two going <sighs> up against each other, I'm just like it's it's Jason slow walking after Freddie while Freddie finds like fucking road runner fucking wily e. coyote ways <laughs> to try and take him out. Like, legitimately, I'm surprised that Freddy doesn't paint a fucking road on a wall at that point. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Uh, do you know what you say that, though? He actually does do the, the Acme thing in fucking uh, Freddy, Freddy's Dead, which is really funny. I know he does. I've seen the scene. But do you know what I mean? Like, he's like five steps away from going full Wile E. Coyote. Yeah. Like, and dropping a fucking anvil on Jason. Because he's just slow walking after him. Yeah. Like... I saw a great, <laughs> great video the other day, and it was two guys with like the whole like um, if I oh, if we got chased by like, Mike Myers or Jason, and it's two gay guys, and they're like, oh my god, how do straight people get anywhere? Like, is that is that how straight people walk? <laughs> because there's a whole thing about gay walking, yeah, which I can back up. All of my gay friends walk ridiculously quickly, and I hate them mm-hmm. <laughs> specifically uh. for that because I walk <laughs> slow. Um. But yeah, he literally just slow walks. Same with Michael Myers. Everyone's like, he's so terrifying. I'm like, I could outpace him. Yeah, you pick up the pace a bit, you're all right. Like, I'm a slow walker, don't get me yeah. wrong, but I can literally, I just need to walk slightly quicker. I can probably <coughs> get one of the scooters from the end of the road and I'd be fine. I'm surprised that they didn't bring back Jason's teleport powers from fucking Jason Takes Manhattan. He just fucking meanders. 
And yeah, literally, it is just a movie of Jason slow walking and then fucking Freddy trying to figure out the most wily coyote way to defeat him. Yeah. Like, I do think I do think the scene where he they're in the like construction part of like Crystal Lake mm. where he like drops all the what are these the like the rods. The rods, the yeah. rods the I don't know what they're rods. for. The bits where he puts the rods through him are quite cool. Building yeah. They're like quite cool. That bit's quite cool. And like you kind of do see like a weaker side of Jason, which I quite like. And I do like but like the thing that annoys me is like again, the movie is billed as Freddy versus Jason, and they have these Well, I guess it's two real fights. They have the fight in the boiler room in the dream world, and then they have the extended fight, which is like the third act of the movie. And like still at the end, they let this fucking bland ass potato salad vanilla looking girl be the one that delivers like the death blow to freddy but they do it in a way that suggests that like jason's helped her which i don't like i don't like the way that that jason is characterized at the end of this movie like i don't like the fact that he pops out of the water fucking stabs him because the the shot of freddy's hand going through his chest is actually really cool Mm. and then he kind of just dips out into the water and like pieces off like a fucking shark or whatever and then she picks up the machete and she's the one that uses Jason's signature weapon on Freddy to end the fight. Like, and then they just fucking blow up Crystal Lake, which I think is fucking ludicrous. Like, I've always hated the fact that she gets to be the one that, like, delivers the final blow. Like, they should have... they If they wanted to go that route, they should have just had Freddy and Jason both get blown up at the end. Or, like, they just, like, kill each other. Like when the you see when you see like Freddy putting the fucking machete into Jason, like they should have just finished each other in that moment. I don't think it should have come down to one of the teen characters being the one that ends the fight personally, because no. like that just undermines the whole thing for me, like personally. Um, but that's just my thoughts on it. Uh, what do you think of the actual ending? The actual like the the last scene of like the is it a dream? Is it not a dream? Sort of situation. It's stupid. Like, literally, because it's so unclear, and I'd never read it as, like, a, oh, my God, it's a dream. I was just, like, it's a Jason 1, but Freddy's all, like, I'm not really dead, winky face, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's such a non-ending, isn't it? And I think, again, like, this is the problem when they do versus movies, is that studios are too scared of, like, pissing off one fandom or the other that they kind of always have these like non-endings yeah it would have made more sense for the ending to be because if they were like well we can't kill either of them for them to just team up at the end yeah like spoilers the end of godzilla versus kong where they team up against mecha godzilla which is fucking stupid but yeah like it would it would have just made sense for like either as you said for them to team up or for them to just both be dead like that way you can't really piss oh, anybody off. Or just for like all of the kids to have died and then, then both go, oh, well, fine. Yeah, and the thing Do is... you know what I mean? Because in, in all honesty, okay, yeah, Freddy's pissed because Jason's stealing his kills. Mm. But like, they don't really have a reason to be going up against each other other yeah. than they're both trying to kill <coughs> the same children, like the same group of teenagers. Yeah. So it would have made all way more sense for like just to either team up to kill all the kids off or while kind of fighting over kills, kill all of the teenagers, and then when they kill the last one, just kind of go, oh, bye. And yeah. just, like, walk in opposite directions. Do you know what I mean? Because I do feel like for both of the characters, that would have made so much sense of them to be kind of battling with each other, but not to try and hurt each other, but try and get to kill the teens first. Yeah. 
And then once all the teens are done and they're kind of stood face to face, like ready to fight each other, just go, like that moment of them both realising that everyone they were trying to kill is dead now. So, yeah. <clears throat> peace out. I, I personally have always been of the mind that the film should have just ended after the doc scene. When you see Laurie and Will leave. Like, you didn't need to have the coda on the end. Like, I know that they were planning a sequel and, like, it's well documented what the sequel was going to be because the sequel became the comic book and all this sort of stuff. But, like, I do think that, like, if you just have it for the bit where Laurie cuts Freddy's head off, Freddy drops into the lake, Jason's in the lake already, and you just have the final shot of the movie being Will and Laurie walking off, because then that way, as far as the audience is concerned... They're both defeated. No one has won. No one has lost. And you've not got this fucking ending that people are going to be talking about for 20 years that's, like, never led to anything. Mm. And I think, for me, that would have been the perfect way to end it. Like, because the thing is, you can't have Freddy win conclusively and you can't have Jason win conclusively because you're just going to piss off one fan base or the other. So you just do the whole, like... You just do a a, a schmoz. You just do a non-finish. Like, in wrestling terms, you would just do, like a double count out or a double DQ, like no one wins kind of situation so that you don't piss off either fan base. Um, but there were some alternate endings to this movie. Okay. One, one of on. the pitches for this movie was going to take place in a boxing ring in hell. And some of the audience were going to be people like Ted Buddy and Adolf Hitler and Charles Manson. That's hilarious. I love it. Um, which I kind of love in a weird way. Yeah. Like I kind of it love makes... that. But the thing is, again, this is the problem with that, that ending, is it makes sense for Freddy, but not for Jason. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it makes sense in the, t- in the, in the respect that they would technically I mean, both be I in hell. I haven't seen uh, Jason Goes to Hell. Yeah. But, like, from everything I know, he's quite a gr- vaguely grounded real-world character. Yeah, like, until he's not that a, movie. He's not a comedy character. No. Like... Freddy is. Until until that movie when they explain that he's like a body hopping worm. Hmm. <coughs> so yeah, that was one of the endings, which I think is like absolutely fascinating that they were like, we could do this. Um, there's an alternate ending on the Blu-ray where Laurie and Will are having sex and Laurie stops halfway through and Will turns into Freddy and kills her, which I which they actually filmed and it's on the Blu-ray and I think that is fucking ridiculous. My personal favourite ending is the one that you can find sketches of this online. I'll post a picture of it on our social media so you guys can see it. But there is an actual artist's rendition of what this looks like. Mm -hmm. And it's both of them being sucked down to hell. So a giant whirlpool comes up in the middle of Crystal Lake. And like a demon hand comes up and pulls them both down. And they literally both land in hell. And you see like all the horned demons. And then there's a giant throne. And like it starts to glow red and literally Pinhead walks out from behind the throne and he says, what appears to be the problem, gentlemen? And that's how the film ends. And I think that ending is, like, so cool. Um, Mm. But they turn around and said, like, New Line Cinema didn't want to get the rights to Pinhead because they viewed him as a low-rate secondary character and they didn't think it was worth their time and money. Fuck off, you absolute cunts. Because they weren't going to obviously follow through with a Freddy vs. Jason vs. Pinhead movie. Fuck off, you absolute cunts. But I think that's a fucking, like, a genius idea. Like, I think, like... And, like I all... just love the idea of, like, Pinhead mediating, like, a therapy talk between yeah. Jason and Freddy. And, like, again, it lends, it lends like, it builds upon the idea that Ronnie you started in... Bride of Chucky, when you see, like, the um, 
fucking what's it the evidence room and it's got jason's mask in it and leatherface's chainsaw and freddy's glove and like the kitchen knife and then obviously they make a reference to pinhead it it, it, it again pushes the is it narrative <coughs> it pushes the narrative of like it's all in the same universe. kind of like an avengers level threat of like all of these guys exist in the same universe like what would happen if they like we could have had like a horror avengers like 20 years ago Horror fans could have had that end game like 20 years ago. It would have been fucking dope. And then apparently like after this, they started like the idea of like Pinhead versus Michael Myers and all this sort of shit. But like, I really like the idea of him being there just as like a fleeting. Honestly, just that ending. You know the scene. Because like, in my head now, I'm like, okay, so like Pinhead like mediates a sit down talk with the yeah. two of them. Do you know that scene in Falcon Winter Soldier yeah. where they're in the cell yeah. and like they're both pulling their chairs closer yeah. and closer together and like staring at each other? That's what I imagine that going like. And Pinhead's just there, like, what the fuck is But this? Pinhead, the scene with Pinhead in has the chains as well. So like the chains come out and grab hold of both of them. Or like that's how the scene would have played out is like the chains, the. I don't know what they're called, like the Cenobite chains or whatever would have come out and he would have been there. And I'm like, you only do that, though, if you can get Doug Bradley to commit to that cameo. I like the thing is, like, I kind of understand it because at that point, the Hellraiser franchise was in its like direct to video era. But at the same time, before this movie came out, the only Friday the 13th movie prior to this was Jason X. The only Freddy movie prior to this was Freddy's Dead. So, yes, I get it. They are massive horror icons of the 80s. But at that time period, that collateral wasn't as fucking, like, high. Like, they weren't any higher, really, on the food chain than what Pinhead was. But I do think that that's, like, a fucking quality idea. Mm -hmm. But, like, this, this was kind of, like, a turning point in horror because this kind of was, like, the last gasp for the slasher movie... And then we entered into the era of, like, the Platinum Dunes remakes, J-horror, torture porn. Like, fucking a year after this, Saw comes out and kicks off the torture porn phase. But, like, as a, as a pop culture moment in time and as a snapshot in time, like, what are your lasting thoughts of, like, this being the only time these two characters have crossed paths? And, like, what do you think of this movie, like, on its 20th anniversary? I feel like it was a massive wasted opportunity, in all honesty. Like, it happened. Yeah. It is a thing that exists in this world, but I feel like it was a massive wasted opportunity. And yeah. It could have been a much better film. <clears throat> I feel like it would have been a much better film had they got somebody who had actual <clears throat> skin in the game in regards to the characters to make it. Yeah. Whereas, as much as I do quite like uh, Ronnie Yu's Bride of Chucky... I don't think he was the right directing choice for this because he obviously didn't have any skin for each of the characters. He kind of just did whatever the fuck he pleased and went, fuck fuck the mythos of these characters. Whereas it would have been better if we they picked somebody who was like legitimately a huge fan of both yeah. franchises who really wanted to see that come to life. Yeah, I think especially when you look back at like some of the pictures that were like some of the pictures for this movie were gonna have like the survivors from Jason Goes to Hell's teaming up with like the Dream Child and like the Dream Master from like Freddy Ver- so you would have had like actual characters from both franchises crossing over and meeting and giving fans like that whole this is a genuine crossover and this is a genuine meeting of these two franchises. I've always been of the mind, like, 
at the time when this movie came out, this was the biggest event in horror. This was like our Chinese democracy. Like we had waited so many years and had so many full stars. I think a lot of people, myself included, were just happy to finally have it in whatever form it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a movie that I watch not very often anymore, but I used to watch it religiously when I was a kid, when I was a teenager. And like watching it now, like I understand like it's aged really, really badly. But then like name any of those movies that hasn't. Like people love 80s horror and people love those movies because of nostalgia and because of the things that they grew up with. And we have an affinity for those characters. But like no one's ever going to sit there and go Friday the 13th part seven's a fucking masterpiece because of X, Y and Z. So I do think the movie came about 15 years too late. And I do also think that like it's one of those things where, yeah, it is a missed opportunity. It came out in a time where horror was like on the turn and like the interest level from a mainstream perspective in these two characters wasn't what it was Mm -hmm. like 10 or 15 years prior. So I do think that for all of it's like I love this movie because it's stupid and like I finally get to see these two characters fight. I do think that there is a lot of stuff in this movie that's not held up. But, you know, I like it enough. Like, I think it's a fun, fun movie. And, if like, you could, okay, any horror characters do a versus of two horror characters, who would you pick? Who would you want to see? Well, I was going to talk about some of the ones that had, like... I've I've always maintained that it wouldn't be a versus movie, but it's the crossover movie that I would have liked to have seen. I would like someone to finally crack the psycho Halloween scream shared universe. Okay. Because I've always maintained in my head that those three... They're all set the same world. Yeah, because yeah. of the Loomis bloodline. Like, you can trace a Loomis bloodline through those three movies. Okay. And I think, like somebody finally cracking that as a shared universe would be fucking amazing. Fair. Um, if I had to pit two slashers against each other, though, I would probably do something in the Texas Chainsaw wrong turn sort of franchise. Fair. Because it's like cannibal hillbilly sort of situation. Like, you could you could quite easily have, like... The hillbillies from like Wrong Turn and like the cannibal family from like or like the Sawyer family from Texas Chainsaw Massacre competing for the same food source, I guess. That would be kind of interesting. What about yourself? I know exactly what I do and I really want everyone to just consider the absolute fucking chaos this movie would be. Chucky versus the Gremlins. Mate, that'd be well interested. I know, right? It'd be absolute fucking chaos as well. Like, imagine the level of chaos. Or, I mean, you can even do a Chucky versus Freddy movie. Like, I feel like that. Because they're both quite sassy characters. Mm-hmm. But I think Chucky versus the Gremlins, because they're, like, approximately the same height. Yeah. <laughs> I think also another interesting one, just for, like, a kind of more, like, nuanced take... And like a more artful take on the, the subject matter is to have like the Clive Barker universe where you combine Candyman and Hellraiser mm-hmm. because that would be kind of interesting. I would be very interested to see what like Elliot Spencer, aka Pinhead, and like Daniel Robitaille, his version of Candyman, would have to say to each other. And like the whole idea of like pleasure and pain and suffering and like how that has affected both of those characters and like what they ultimately became i think would be fucking fascinating 
Like, I don't necessarily think that they would, like, want to kill each other. They would probably sit down and have, like, a fucking beer with each other. But I think... Seeing... Nice cup of tea and a chat. But I also think the the sheer, like, spine-tingling moment of seeing, like, having Doug Bradley on set with Tony Todd as the Candyman, both in those outfits, like, meeting each other would be really, really fucking cool. Because, like, I, I've seen some stuff over the years. They tried to do Candyman versus Leprechaun... They talked about doing Chucky versus Leprechaun at one point. Bad work. They talked about doing a Hellraiser Halloween spin-off, and I've heard the pitch for that, and it's fucking batshit insane. Um, there was a couple of pitches for that which I heard, which were fucking mental. Obviously, Freddy versus Jason versus Ash, which I have the comic book for. I never got the second comic book, but like the idea of like that as a film. But, like, only, again, if you can get Robert England... If you could have got Robert England, Bruce Campbell and Kane Hodder to do that would have been quite cool. But I guess in a weird way, we talk about the horror Avengers. We did kind of get the horror Avengers with the Wishmaster. Because, like, okay. Kane Hodder's in that movie, Robert England's in that movie. Tony Todd's in that movie. Tony Todd's in that movie. Um, what's his name? The guy, Angus Scrim, who does who played the tall man in... The Phantasm movies did the fucking voiceover for it. Like, Wes Craven produced it. Um, but no, I'm putting, I'm putting my money. Uh, Chucky versus the Gremlins. And I do feel like at one point Chucky would try to, like, militarise the Gremlins. Yeah. And get them all to work for him. I just feel like that would go very poorly. Like, that's how it starts. He's all, like, gathered the Gremlins to work for him. And it just goes off the rails. Yeah. Because you all have to admit that would be the most batshit film anyone could come up with. Yeah, I think that would be, like, highly, highly amusing. Because Chucky's quite funny anyway. Yeah. And then you add in the fucking chaos of the gremlins, or well, whatever they're actually called. But, like, I am kind of genuinely surprised that this didn't kick off a bigger renaissance of, like, people. Because they tried. People tried to do versus movies. People tried to be like, well, what character have we got here? Like, could we do, like, this character versus that character? And... You know, you still get some of the Asylum movies of, like, Mega Shark versus, like, Octopus or whatever. And they did a Lake Placid versus Anaconda movie, like, a couple of years back. And, you know, I think it's really interesting that they tried to do, like, all these different, like, spin-offs and stuff. But, yeah, I think the only one that was ever really truly going to get off the ground was Freddy versus Jason, just because of how stupidly popular both those characters are. Mm. But, like, what do you think having Ash in the mix would have been too much? Yeah. Like, you think about how chaotic this movie is. Yeah, I think adding Ash in would have just been a step too far. A bridge too far. Yeah, or like, whatever the fucking saying is. A step too far works. Yeah. Don't come for my, come for my word in. <laughs> but, like, I don't think there was any interest in them, like, getting the rights to Ash. Because Wes Craven had nothing to do with this movie. He's listed as a producer, but that's only because they have to, like, give him credit for, like, Freddy. But he wanted nothing to do with this movie. He had no part in it. They didn't art, like... He had no creative control and he basically just went, I don't see why you're making it. Like, don't ask me, basically. That's fine. Um, and then they still went ahead and fucking made it anyway because they owned the rights to Freddy. I think they only asked him as a courtesy and they were just going to, they were going to do it with or without him anyway. Um, and the last thing I want to mention before we go going is the soundtrack for this movie. The soundtrack for this movie, one of Roadrunner's best selling soundtracks of all time. Like, I fucking love the soundtrack for this film. I still have songs from this soundtrack on playlists now like the soundtrack for this movie the, you know, we always talk about new metal horror movies 
this movie's got like fucking Spine Shank and Devil Driver and Slipknot and Lamb of God and Chimera and fucking Il Nino on it. And they use a bunch of the songs in the film. Graham Ravel scored this movie. who's the same guy who scored The Crow, The Craft, Daredevil. And he also did Bride of Chucky as well. So my man was well in the pocket with like horror scores. But yeah, like I fucking love the score, uh, the soundtrack for this movie. There's some of my favourite like new metal songs and new metal bands are on this soundtrack. So it's on Spotify. I would highly recommend if you like new metal. There's a few really interesting deep cuts on there. There's like a fucking rare Murder Dolls B-side that's on this and, you know, a few other bits and pieces. So um yeah, I think it's really, really cool that they, they reached out to Roadrunner, which was like arguably the biggest metal label at the time, and were like, do a fucking soundtrack for this, like, um, fucking film. And I also like that, I also appreciate, and you can tell this is the time before social media, because if this movie came out now, the ending would have been ruined way in advance. They screened this movie for press three days before it came out, and they cut off the last 30 seconds, and the screen cut to black, and it said, Come, come see Freddy versus Jason on August the thirteenth to find out who wins, and I was like, "That's fucking genius!" Um, right, before we get on out of here, what's your final score and final thoughts on Freddy versus Jason? <coughs> um, I don't. I meh. It's one of those films like we watch. We finished watching it not that long ago, and I've already mostly forgotten it. It is a super forgettable film. It's also a film that's not really made for people like you, though, is it? Exactly, but it is like super fucking forgettable. It's a fast food film, like all slasher movies are. Yeah, but some most like some slasher movies like really stick with me after I've watched them. I'm like, there was that really cool kill, or like I really like this character, like I really enjoyed that scene. Whereas this, I'm just kind of like, it was all just bleh. Mm. And even as someone who doesn't particularly like Freddy or Jason, I feel like it was not a good representation of either of those characters, mm. especially knowing how long like fans waited for this film. Yeah. So I'm gonna give it a resounding two. Yeah, I think I I think now in hindsight I can only go as high as a three. Yeah, I just think like good. you know this is a movie that's not aged very well. Um, and yeah, I think the more you watch it over time, it's a fun movie, but it's like a background movie. It's a movie that I find putting on in the background. Like I agree, as someone who has seen like all of the movies from both franchises and who is a diehard uh, Jason fan, like I feel like it doesn't do either character like justice. And it's kind of sad in a weird way. Like, I'm glad that they got this movie made before Robert England hung up the glove. But this is, like, the last Freddy movie that, like, Robert England was in. So, you know, I'm kind of glad that he got to do it. And I'm glad that they made it before he, like, retired the character. And obviously he's only appeared on screen as a character one time since this, which was in an episode of The Goldbergs, which is fucking random as hell. Um... And I do think he's really great in this role. And you can tell that he's just happy to be back doing, like, Freddy shit. Um, but, yeah, I can't really go any higher than a three. It's a movie that I throw on quite a lot, and I'm glad that it exists. Um, but, yeah, I do think, like, looking back on it now, it's one of those movies that's kind of become, like, a footnote to history rather than something where people look back fondly on over 20 years later and go, ah, oh, man, like, this changed the game in the way that it could have done if they sorted that shit out and made it in the 80s, or even the early 90s, 
You know what I mean? Yeah. But so yeah, that's our thoughts on Freddy versus Jason. We are back twice more this week. So we will be back on Wednesday where we will be on the Ghoul Friends podcast looking at Repo the Genetic Opera under the theme of musicals. So go find those guys on social media, Instagram, Twitter, all the usual places, Ghoul Friends. Uh, we will be posting a link to that episode on Wednesday when that goes up. So that will be Wednesday the... What day is it? Wednesday the 5th of July. Then we will be back on Friday the 7th of July with our 5 by 5 for this month where we'll be looking at the top five films that we think reflect each other's personalities. And then we will be back with our next proper episode looking at another film for its anniversary as we are looking at X-Files the movie, a.k.a. X-Files Fight the Future for its... For its 25th anniversary, and that will be out next Monday. As always, guys, get up on that social media, S-I-M-H-F, S-I-M-A-H-F pod on Twitter for the time being. And then Sir Marid Horror Fan, all lowercase, all one word on Tumblr and Instagram. We will see you in the next one. Stay spooky, stay safe. Take care, guys. Bye-bye.